Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 484 in our weekly series. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're out there raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country. And our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups are developing research, publishing case studies, and shining a light on great practice. You can visit engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter so you never miss out on any of our great free resources, events, and updates. I'm Andy Gorham, your host for today's show and founder of BizJuicer, an employee engagement and culture development consultancy that helps companies create people change that sticks, retaining more of their great people and ensures fabulous brand experiences for their customers. Now then, the tension between the long-term aspirations and the short-term need of business is not a new phenomenon. The push and pull of wanting to do the right thing for the longer-term health and future of the business set against the pressures and the often insatiable need for guaranteed returns today is something many of us are familiar with. It's the kind of pressure that can see culture and people change strategies shelved in favour of immediate sales drives or cost-cutting exercises and organisational restructures. The financial focus on many businesses can be all-consuming. It's completely understandable, but is the balance right? If that's only ever the focus... How do the other longer-term benefits of culture and people focus ever get realised? Well, my guest today is James Bollet, who's also known as the culture builder. And he suggests that with a backdrop like that, the world of work is broken. As a researcher and customer experience expert, his life's work has been focused on helping brands understand people, how they behave and why they behave in certain ways. As part of that work, he believes he understands the solution to balancing the short and long of it all. The solution is don't be a duck. And he's here today to explain what that means and share his findings. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you for having me, Andy. Great to have you here, my friend. Really good to have you here. I'm I'm ridiculously excited to hear about what the duck solution is, is all about. But before... Before you ease my excitement, James, before we get into all of that, maybe you could just tell us a little bit more about you, your background, and the things that you're currently focused on. Oh, yeah, I'd love to, Andy. So after a 20-year career in market research and customer experience, helping organizations understand the, the way people behave by using data from various sources, I spent a lot of time working with some big brands that you have heard of and have definitely worked with to optimize their customer experiences, build great customer experience strategies. And I came to believe that great customer experience and great business success overall is based on understanding what you stand for as a brand and proving that every day to your customers. But of course, it's, it's one thing saying that and another thing delivering it. If you're going to deliver that, you need a culture that supports it. You need people that are absolutely focused on doing the best things for your customers in line with what your brand stands for. And that led me to the conclusion that organizations need to understand what they stand for, and they need to build a culture that enables people to live it and love it. And that's what I do today. So um, I, I can talk if you're interested on kind of what led me to leave the organization <laughs> I was working for, but um, 
about four years ago, 2019, I started my own business, The Culture Builder, to help organizations build that successful culture that's going to drive loyalty, motivation, productivity, but most of all, help people love working and serving customers the best that they can. I mean, I subscribe to that vision, right? I'm a big fan of that. And my, my own business is in the same ballpark. It's wonderful to sit here and get a chance to have a chat with a very, very much a kindred spirit on the whole thing. Before you and I both geek out on things that we clearly love, let's just take a pause and go back to that introduction, the introduction I sort of gave at the beginning, right? Yeah. So firstly, that backdrop, that kind of tension between short-term, long-term business needs, focus on finance, what's your view of it all? And what's your view of the working landscape that you see today that brought you to the conclusion that the world of work is broken? And because I can't get away from it, explain to me where the duck comes in from that perspective too. <laughs> well, listen, the, my perspective is that the way we work today is broken. And there have been plenty of episodes in this in this series looking at how engaged people are at work, how productive people are at work. You know, Gallup has been measuring, for example, um, employee engagement around the world for 50 years, and it's static. It's not getting better. Only around one in five people love the work that they're doing. And I simply don't believe that that's, we can accept that as a status quo. If only one in five people is getting up in the morning saying, I'm really excited to go to work, then the world of work is broken. And I deal a lot with small business owners, and most of them think that the way that their teams work is broken. So people are getting up to go to jobs that they don't love. Business owners and leaders are leading teams that they find it difficult to manage and to get excited about things. That just speaks to a fundamental um, break at the heart of what we're doing, um, at the heart of what, of what we're doing and the way work is structured. And from my personal experiences, you know, I, I led a team of 50 people in my last role before I started my business. And we had a range of issues within the team, including some long-term health issues brought on by by stress and mm. yeah, people not necessarily enjoying their jobs, being overworked, all, all, all kinds of things. And ultimately, using, using what I'd learned from working with these great brands around the world, I, I tried to implement a, um, a program to understand how people felt at work and to make them feel better. We talked a lot about our values. We talked a lot about what we stood for. We talked a lot about how we can improve implement what we stand for in the work that we do. But ultimately, the people on my team knew that it was all about money. Mm -hmm. They felt that they were being exploited or tricked into working harder because it would benefit the financial standing of the company. People know that work today is mainly about money. And whether or not they're sitting there when you are when you when you're leading a team and you're trying to introduce a new initiative or you're trying to inspire them, whether or not they're doing it, um, you know, at the top of their mind or whether they're doing it subconsciously, they are thinking, "Well, this will be great if this works. It will make someone other than me a load more money." And that's that un underlying fundamental simply undermines the majority of engagement initiatives and, and efforts that organizations make around the world today. When businesses are focused on on making money, they cut corners and people end up trying to do the jobs with the wrong tools or, or, or too much work. And people care less about their work and they keep making stupid mistakes or they make the wrong decisions or even worse, actually, they make no decisions at all because they've emotionally checked out of the work that they're, that they're doing. And I think it's that fundamental belief that 
I am an employee. I am being utilized to try and make money for someone else that I think is kind of um, is fueling that that break in 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 the way we work today. It's interesting. I uh, I don't know whether you caught on telly that new TV program called Rise and Fall. Did you catch that? No, the other day? no. It, it looks interesting. I might watch it on catch. Yeah. Can you tell me about it? I think interesting is an interesting word because it it feels awful, but it sort of describes this dystopian future almost that that you're talking about here. You've got these bunch of guys at the top of the building who are the rulers who make all the decisions and really their their main thing is to get a large amount of money in the price fund that they want to win and you've got these guys at the bottom who are the grafters who are there to do do all the work and do what they're told and they know they're being manipulated right it's just a very interesting maybe timely backdrop for this for this conversation because whether it's that program or you watch the apprentice and you hear some of the awful (laughs) <laughs> the awful perspectives that some of these leaders in inverted commas have on how to get the best out of people, how to drive, how to motivate people. It's shocking and maybe leads to some of this this broken stuff. And I'm really interested to listen to what you say about feeling manipulated and whether that engagement thing is misinterpreted because engagement can be often seen as squeezing more out of the resource that we've got. Um, and, that's that's not what this is this is about so that's absolutely right andy i think it's about do you want to do you want to make a difference in in the world there's been a lot of research on kind of eda and i initiatives that show that people in um minorities in organizations um when um when the organization comes out and publicly says we're investing diversity because it's good for our business then they feel more exploited and less belonging in that organization um, than if the EDNI um, issue had never been tackled before. And it's the same with engagement. Um, leaders and organizations come in and they say, great news, everybody, we're going to engage you. Now, <laughs> now be grateful because we're engaging you. And people understand that the reason why they're being engaged is because there's a lack in, in what they're delivering today. I believe it can be different. Nobody goes to goes into a leadership position. Nobody starts a, a business simply because they want to exploit other people people want to make money and it's absolutely fine to make make money we don't all need to run charities or run employee-owned businesses to change this but we do need to get in touch with what our businesses stand for what are the lines we're going to draw and then build our business around them because you know if you are if you are running a, a business and you're trying to do the right thing you're trying to get people engaged and motivated but all you're telling them about in your in your meetings is how much money we've made or how far off target we are. The only message it sends them is the reason we're doing everything is for the money, and you have to you have to get away from that. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about kind of where the duck comes into that in a second. <laughs> okay, and I and I I absolutely subscribe to this thing about where and who we're making money for. Uh, yeah. I I think I do remember some pretty dull conferences in my past being sat in the audience and someone very animatedly telling me on stage that come on we, we need more effort we need more focus we need more drive so we can make shareholders more money and i'm <laughs> like yeah I'm, I'm gonna vote for other people to get more money out of my hard work yeah that makes a lot of sense and uh, again to me just completely missing the point in all of this absolutely so- um a friend of mine works in sales and he tells a, a story that i think he made up but it illustrates <laughs> the point nicely which is uh, on his on his first day at work he he drove into the car park in his peugeot 206 parked up and his boss arrived in a um in a jaguar pulled up next to him and said tom you know what 
if you work hard, you know, if you do a good job and work hard in two or three years, you see that Jaguar there? In two or three years, if you do a great job, I could have an Aston Martin. <laughs> and and that's, you know, and, and I'm saying, you know, it's absolutely not conscious in, in most cases, but that is what people believe is going on. Right. So if we want a different world, yes. if we want the world that you and I advocate for, what does that look like? And what are the steps that you think, James, need to be taken if we're going to mend it? if we're going to put it back together and make something worthwhile going forwards? Thank you, Andy. That's a, that's a great question. And please stop me as I go into my my <laughs> monologue, because I could t- I could take 15 minutes just talking about this, but I'll, I'll try and do it succinctly. So why do people believe that it's all about the money? Um, because too many organizations, too many teams have mission statements or purpose statements or, or, or values articulated but they're just things that are written on walls. Mm -hmm. They're not things that people live in their day-to-day behavior. Um, The the famous example of this, it kind of came out a few years ago. You would have seen Huell's, the the wall in Huell's office that says, and sorry for the mild swear, it says, don't be a dick in big letters. And then underneath it's got some stuff about their their DNA and their their mission and so on. But, you know, they talk about their brand being incredibly important and, I think having a wall that says don't be a dick that goes viral probably says more about what their brand is interested in than necessarily how they behave. Although I don't know anybody who works for Huel, so I'm I'm not judging. Um, But it's like going to see a stand-up comedian. If you go and see a stand-up comedian, they don't come on stage and for an hour tell you how funny they are. They Mm -hmm. come onto the stage and do an act for an hour and tell jokes, and then you laugh, and you draw the conclusion that they're a funny person. And that is exactly what I try and help my organizations that I work with to understand. Some of my North American colleagues used to say, look, James, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. And that's where don't be a duck comes from. Don't say you're one thing, but then go around quacking and waddling because people will see that you are a duck. You can't tell them that you're a lion or an eagle um, or or whatever kind of animal it is that you're most into if you are waddling and quacking, because people will just see you to be a duck. And so what we need to do, what, what I believe leaders, business owners and organizations need to do in order to not be a duck is to build processes in their organization around some authentically generated purpose and values statements. And it sounds it sounds simple. It, it almost sounds kind of too too obvious. But articulate what you stand for and then behave in that way. That's how you that's how you defeat it. Now that's easier said than done. Um, and I'll, I can talk in a minute if you'd like about kind of some of the simple tactical things you can do to to live your values more authentically. Um, but it, the truth is it's not it's not simple. I work with organizations and we articulate great values and then they, they don't change <laughs> unless unless you get into the, the guts of the operate, operation. They just become things that are written on walls. And like the EDNI initiatives that are, um, that are seen as kind of trying to exploit people or just get more out of them, like the engagement initiatives, like the benefits programs that you would have implemented in the past that haven't got the returns you wanted, people will see, yeah, okay, this, actually this isn't this isn't about making our lives better. This was just about trying to make more money for the organization. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I there's nothing in what you've said that I can sit here and counter, right? Not that mm-hmm. that's what I'd want to do anyway, but there's too many one-sided equations. You talked about it being a two-sided equation. So have the authentically 
prescribed statements, purpose, values, behaviors, yeah. whatever they may be, uh, linked to brand, and then go and live them. There's yeah. loads of organizations that have done part one of that equation. Loads. <laughs> the difference comes in the second half of the equation that's the hard bit. And Absolutely. that is the piece where people kind of run to the hills or think making a conference speech about the new statements that they've got is transferring ownership then for all of that to the workforce. And that's where the mistake comes, right? It's the hard graft. It's rolling your sleeves up and it's saying and showing what you've said is important, is important through behavior, action, uh, and the and the consistent follow up, right? The DNA Absolutely. piece of, 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 of a business. I mean, you, is that what you see as well in the work that, that you do? It's the second half of the equation where the game's won. The the second half of the equation is where is where the game is won. Just articulating values, anybody can can mm. can do that. And as a as an ex colleague of mine used to say, your culture is the worst behavior that you tolerate, and that right. is absolutely absolutely true. I mean, culture means lots of different things to lots of different people. But for me, it's about how people behave when they're not being monitored. It's about how, you know, what what drives people. And everybody wants to feel like they're making progress and doing a good job at something that matters. And I'm afraid to say that if all that you measure and all that you talk about is money, that doesn't matter to most people. And so the phrase that I typically use with my clients is that, yeah, it's complicated, but it doesn't have to be that hard. Mm. Because obviously there are a uh, hundred thousand moving parts in your business, but if we approach them systematically and in the right order, then we can build a culture, or we can build a, an environment in which culture, an, a, an effective culture, can flourish. And while I, you know, I've already used an analogy of of, um, of ducks and animals, so I'm loath to introduce a second analogy. But if you if you'll forgive me and humour me, it's like building a house. Most business owners, most organizations don't um, don't deliberately take steps to build their culture. And it's a bit like wandering into a field, throwing up a few walls and building a duck pond and thinking that you're going to have a brilliant house. It's, it's not. Building a house is a systematic process and you do the things in the right order and you get great results. If you put two things in the wrong order, you get terrible results. And building culture is the same. And you can go back and and fix the the challenges if you've already started building the walls and building the roof without digging the foundations. But you know you do need those foundations. So the the analogy I would say is your house's foundations are an authentic purpose or mission and authentic values. And you know there's a whole other half an hour podcast about what a purpose is and how it's different from a mission. Frankly, I don't really care. Mm. The I mean. I, I've, I've done that. I've done that podcast before, and I can talk about it, but I won't here. <laughs> the point. The point is, why does your organisation exist in terms of how it's helping other people's lives? Not just your organisation exists because you saw an opportunity to make a load of money. Not just because um, you wanted to be more in control of your own time and spend more time with the kids or play more golf. Not just because um, there was some some money and you wanted to make an investment. But actually, how are you positively impacting the lives of others and your values? How are you going to go about doing that? And how what, what can you authentically say is true about the way you do it? Those are your foundations. And then you have, on top of that, the superstructure of your building is your strategy. And I always think about, um, you know, 
uh, a wellness or pharmacy chain that sells cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You know, your strategy, if you are truly dedicated to improving people's lives, should probably not include selling vaping or or tobacco products. Some recruiters that I've worked with, can we ever truly show people that we care about them and want them to improve their lives if we're offering not very good temporary contracts with organizations that we that we know um, treat their staff badly? Yes, it makes us a load of money, but is that something we can genuinely get into? How do you make your money? Who do you sell to? What prices do you sell? That's the first decision you need to make is, is, is what we're doing aligned with the difference we say we want to make in the world and the way we want to do it. Um, and then if people are going to take one thing away from this chat today, once you've got your strategy aligned with your purpose and values, think about your metrics. So you've built the superstructure for your building, then you're going to put the roof on. And the roof is what keeps everyone inside and keeps everyone warm, safe, dry. That's what you measure in your organization. And this is the thing that most people get wrong. Um, you you work in an organization, you say, we really care about all of these things. We really care about making a difference in people's lives. And then the next time you get together as a team, what we've measured is our customer retention numbers or our sales pipeline or our profit or how close we are to reaching the turnover we need to reach this year. And you have three or four financial metrics that tell everyone in the business that what's really important is making money. And you have absolutely no measure of the impact you're making on people's lives or the way that you're that you're doing it. And that is the simplest thing I, I think you can you can do that makes the biggest difference is actually we're going to make an effort. We're going to spend some money to understand the impact that we're making. And mm-hmm. if I return to the recruitment organization as, a, as an example, okay, we're actually going to implement a program where we go back to our candidates six months after we've placed them in their jobs and find out if they are happier, find out if they are happy, not because we want to tap them up and place them again and make a load more money, but simply because we want to know how satisfied they are with their lives now compared with where, where they were six months ago, because that's that's where we're going to make a difference in the world. I think this um, is this is such a good agenda because this is the stuff that can get conflated with or mistaken for being fluffy and wishy-washy, right? Because what you're not saying is that money isn't important because no. it's the it is part of the ecosystem of a business, right? Without the money, you can't invest, you can't develop, you can't grow, you can't do all those good things. No one is saying here that money isn't important. But what we are saying is you need to find the core focus of what that business is about. What would be lost if yeah. you weren't here, right? What's the, what is the, Without wanting to sound like a hippie, what's the deeper <laughs> meaning behind why people are getting up in the morning and giving you all of their time? Right. Yeah. I mean, to use another mild swear word, you know, it's hippie BS, but it's true. Yeah. Like, you know, people do want to make, um, do want to make a difference. And it's a question that I ask a lot in my work with organizations. You know, you're talking to the to the team members in an organization. If this this company ceased to exist tomorrow, do you think somebody would would start it again because it's making a unique difference or would, mm. would they just switch to a competitor or and most people say well no there's another you know there's another x just down the road that they could use in it in its place in some truly enlightened organizations that have got the right culture and have got the right people they can see there's there's magic going on and they can see that they're making a specific difference to the world and like actually we would start this business again because we can see that is different from these other businesses because of the specific impact we're making. And and that's that's what you want to get to. 
I think there's a real point around alignment here because you talk about purpose and I haven't read the article, but something flashed up on email this morning, I think in marketing week or something that finally someone's pushing back on all the rubbish that's been shouted about on purpose. I think I might have been Tesco's or something. It sort of said the, all the rubbish that's been talked about how bad purpose was or use or useless purposes is, is misplaced. And, and I think, I think purpose gets a bad rap because it's misused so often. Yeah. It's it's never or hardly it, when it gets into trouble, it's not rooted in what the business is really about and what it does. Mm. It's got some ridiculous intangible we are going to solve all the world's problems with every cookie we make. You know, it, really are you how how's that going to work? I think it's the great purposes that really do align an organization have something far more rooted in what the business actually does can do wants to wants to change um, yeah. and that makes a real difference that's a real rally point for business and i think all these things are about rally point um, and i come at this stuff from a a marketing background right and that may be a dirty word uh you know when we think about culture but actually i think the perspective of trying to find a market truth a customer truth and a brand truth and where they all align that's what we're talking about here. Find that Absolutely. find that magic sweet spot and align yeah. everything behind it because then things don't – it's not about trying to bolt on things to make it make sense. You're all channeled behind a single thought, a single yeah. kind of unifying thought that, that, that helps engage, motivate, drive, inspire, innovate, all those sorts of things. Absolutely. And um, if you will uh, allow me to, I think I probably want to make three points in the next kind of couple of minutes. Um, so it was the, it was the Mars um, CEO uh, this morning. Oh, I saw that's that article. It, that's it. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and firstly, in most cases, brand purpose is completely useless mm. because it's an exercise that's conducted in a boardroom and then shared with the teams. Good news, everyone. We figured out what we're all about and that's just <laughs> not how you, not how you do it. Um, and if you don't put it into action in your business, then it's absolutely useless. And it's, whether you're talking about culture, purpose, values, engagement, whatever it is, if you're not aligning your business to act in a certain way around it, then you are the stand-up comedian who's coming on stage and saying you're funny for an hour. Um, you're not You're not the person who's living the truth. You are being a duck. Um, but secondly, the, the Mars CEO in the article went on to say, look, obviously brand purpose is important, no graduate is going to come and want to work for Mars if they think that we're destroying the planet. So again, kind of immediately showing that from his point of view, purpose is a tool to trick people to want to to work there. So I'm, I'm kind of conflicted about, I yeah. agreed with his general point, um, but I'm not sure who's making it for the Is it coming from the, the right, right place? Reason. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, because, you know what, you, chocolate, if you, if you can, if you can create um, chocolate that doesn't involve slavery, it doesn't involve um, kind of uh, exploiting farmers, uh, doesn't create obesity and isn't addictive, then it's a really delightful thing. And you can build a brand around this idea of improve, improving people's lives by helping them have little little treats or whatever it would be. And, but you need to believe in that. It's, it can't just be a, a gimmick to, um, to help attract graduates. Um, but yeah, he's right because you're right. And, and, the critics are right because too often these things are done in boardrooms and they're not lived and people aren't aligned around them. And, you know, it's the, the building metaphor is the, the purpose, the values, whatever you call them, your foundations. Then you've got your strategy, which is the superstructure, the metrics, which is the roof that keeps everybody safe. 
you've got the plumbing and wiring of the organization, which is how you treat your people. You absolutely need to align that with your values, otherwise it, it dies. And then you've got your customer experience strategy, which is the area that I know most about because of my background. That needs to be aligned as well. That's the doors and windows that enable you to interact from your organ- from your building with the outside world. But you do them in this order because you can't start treating your customers in the right way and expect people to care about them if you're not treating them in the right way. So you get your strategy aligned, you get your metrics aligned, you get your employee experience aligned, customer experience aligned, and then you process and operationalize it all with the way you run your, your business. And then the marketing is so important Mm. because you need to go out and show people what you stand for. You don't go out and tell them what you stand for. You show them what you stand for because you give examples of how you're improving other people's lives through your products, services, whatever it is. And that's the landscaping. That's, you know, what the garden looks like. That's the outside rendering on the house. It's how you keep your hedges done. And it's so important because, you know, nobody's going to want to live in your house, buy it or rent it or, or visit you if you know, the garden's a jungle and they can't get to the front door. So it's absolutely important, but it all needs to be aligned together. And what I found is, so kind of the last thing I would say is I've worked with a number of organizations over the last few years, but one in particular was a kind of a computer games app developer. They had a lot of problems with team turnover. They were building products that weren't engaging with the customers and the, and, and the end users actually stopping and thinking about what it was that brought them all together and what inspired them all was so important for them as, as a first step. So when I started working with them, you ask people, why do you work here? And they would say, it's because computer games are cool. After the work together, we articulated that the reason they worked there was because they were proud to be geeks and wanted to create communities that enabled geeks to flourish and meet each other. That on its own helped set the mindset, but it is not enough on its own. Actually, they looked at the products they were building and realized they'd been sat on an idea for a for an app for two years that they weren't building because they were focusing on the money and they didn't think it would make any money. Actually, they went out and raised some money to develop this educational app that they're all passionate about that now turns over half a million pounds a month for them because, and they don't have team turnover now, they have a product that works that engages with the customers. Like it's a great story because it tells you the importance of the purpose and the values, but it's a great story because it says, they did something about it once they'd identified them. They didn't just do the exercise and then uh, uh, and, and stop and say, okay, great, now we'll carry on doing the same thing, but with a bit more of recognition of the fact that we want geeks to thrive. It was about actually lining up behind that and, and building a business around it. And that is a great story to finish on, James. Brilliant story. Thank you so much for joining me today. Listen, everybody, don't forget, You can visit engagementsuccess.org to check out the show notes and all of our fab free engagement resources where you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at your leisure. James, genuinely, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts, your experiences, your anecdotes, the metaphors, all excellent stuff. I've really enjoyed talking today. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. It's been lovely to speak to you. Our pleasure. We'll be back again at the same time next week. I'm Andy Gorham, and thanks for listening to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.